into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. And now, for the first time, I cannot say still unbeaten in the league, Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Sadly, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined maybe by a slightly sad Mark Donaldson. Yeah, especially leading at half time. Wasn't the greatest first half performance, but the second half performance was rotten. And we'll talk about that. We certainly shall, unfortunately. It would be nice not to have to, but we do have to touch upon the the bad ones as well as the good ones. And uh, one of the good ones was Ryan McGowan, who's joining us <laughs> to speak once again. <laughs> it's probably the nicest intro you've given me since I've been on. Oh, come Other on. Other the first one. The first one was good, and then <laughs> since then it's been downhill. <laughs> That's probably true, to be fair. How are you? Very good, very good. Just uh, plugging away. Uh, got a game on Friday night and then find out uh, tomorrow if in the Aussie squad. And if I am, oh. then I'll leave at the weekend. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, let's rewind. I'll find out tomorrow. Surely you already know. The, have you not had the call and it'll be announced tomorrow and you've already had a call? Saying, no, no. Really? Because, how, how, no. how does it work? Uh, yeah, normally you get a message to say you're in the squad and it will be announced in... Uh, with Oz, it's sometimes three or four days later, um, just to make sure that everyone's okay. So I'm on the short list. You have like a, I think it's 27 or 30 players that get notified because they obviously need to notify the clubs that you could be going. But um, I think there's a few injury doubts and a few sort of COVID cases and travel because we are we we're playing a game in Sydney, so it might. I think they're just uh, trying to work out logistically who can yeah, and can't make it. Martin Boyle's not making it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's one that's um, possibly a doubt. When I spoke, I spoke to him at the weekend, and he said he, I think he had to isolate for a week, which would mean he would be touch and go to fly out on the. He'd probably be flying out Sunday or Monday, so um, yeah, I think there's a few cases like that, and then obviously a few cases of the first games in Sydney, the second games in Dubai, with you know um, clubs allowing those countries if they're still red zone or. So, yeah, you wouldn't like to be the team manager of an international team at the moment, especially with us Aussies here, there and everywhere. Indeed. But that's 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 for scarves around the kangaroo, wherever podcast yeah. is. <laughs> the international <laughs> funnel. Yeah. I couldn't think of a decent Australian link off the cuff. <laughs> right, well, we will talk about... Um, scarves around the didgeridoo. Yeah, uh, there that, we go. That's What's stereotypical? That's, yeah. Probably just as bad as scarves around the kangaroo, but yeah. So Aberdeen. Mm. Yes, let's talk about that. John Souter, the Aberdeen-born defender, will step up here against Joe Lewis in front of the Merklin Road stand in added time at the end of the first half. This might well be the final action of the opening period. Two goals already this season. He's got a wonderful goal against Dundee last week. How does he fare from 12 yards? Suter steps up, scores! Really good penalty by the Hearts defender for his third of the season, his fifth goal for the men in Maroon. And you cannot say it's been coming, it's been a very drab opening half, it's probably the first real opportunity for Hearts. And like that, it's Aberdeen nil, Hart and Midlothian one. Clips into the box, not a bad ball, Halka can get there, Watkins with a chance, right foot in, it's into the back of the net! Marley Watkins levels four minutes into the second half. A really good finish in the end. Difficult one to take after Halkett missed the header. It was bouncing up ahead of Marley Watkins. And he gets his first goal of the season. His first in his second spell at Petodre. And we're all square. Aberdeen won. Martin and Lothian won. McGeoch floats the corner in. Headed towards goal and it's in. It's Lewis Ferguson who knots it in past Craig Gordon. 
It's a good header by Ferguson for goal number six of the season. And Aberdeen have turned this game around. 69th minute here at Petodre. Aberdeen 2, Heart of Midlothian 1. Okay, so Heart of Midlothian travelled to Petodre at the weekend just past to face Aberdeen. Hearts still unbeaten in the league after a full round of fixtures <clears throat> against an Aberdeen side who, although it struggled at the start of the season, had had a decent last couple of games after beating Hibs at uh, Petodre the week prior and then that draw in midweek against Rangers, which could easily have been a victory for the Dons at Ibrox. Um, we knew Robbie Nielsen would mix things up, Mark. I think one change we, we kind of fully expected was Alex Cochran to come back in for Andy Halliday. That, that was the swap that was made for the St. Johnston game and fair to say it didn't really have uh, much of an impact. Uh, but I guess one of the surprise changes was we saw Barry Mackay drop out and Gary Mackay-Steven come in. Yeah. Barry Mackay would be the one, given the way that he's playing, I think he's been very good, that, that you would think, okay, it's him plus one other behind a striker. And yeah, that, that was a surprise. Um, sometimes, I mean... Ryan can tell us better. When you play against one of your former clubs, again, a lot depends on the time you had there, I suppose, the, the way it ended. Um, maybe that was the thinking. Uh, I don't know. Um, so, Gary Mackay, Stephen came in. Josh Ginelli started. And Nondwee, I saw most of the game and I saw more of the Dundee performance than I did the St. Johnston performance from him. And my God, we miss Boyle. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just... That vocal point, isn't it? I think it even gives belief to the rest of the team that they know sure. if they do get an opportunity, you know, he's going to put it away. And yeah, the, the Gary McClay, you can understand that playing against his old club. He's also from mm-hmm. up there as well. So, you know, has that little bit of an added meaning to him, possibly, you know, playing against Aberdeen. Um, and like we touched on last week, I don't think the wingers have been, you couldn't say that any of them are undroppable at the moment or setting the place on fire. So I did think. When I seen that change, I thought, yeah, it could work with you know his sort of history with the club being from up there. But yeah, just overall such a disappointing result. Yeah, I mean, Aberdeen started, uh, maybe it was slightly surprisingly, they basically started with a back five, which is what they played away to Rangers. So Scott Brown was still kind of in the centre of that as a, as a defender. And the first half was just poor all round, really, wasn't it? There was not much in the way of attacking threat from either side. I think Ryan Hedges got a little breakthrough on goal and forced a decent save from Craig Gordon. But apart from that, not much to write home about. And then right at the end of the half, Mm. um, Hearts get their one chance, which ends up being a penalty kick. Uh, Not too much doubt about the spot kick, despite the protestations of some of the Aberdeen fans. Yeah, I looked a penalty. I think uh, the the fact that they've been... Uh, given a penalty against them straight after Ibrox probably irked them a little bit more. Um, thought it was really well taken by by John Souter. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it was funny, before the game, I just finished listening to last week's podcast. And the thing that stuck in my mind was when Ryan was talking about winning scrappily, winning, not playing well. And, and then when we went ahead, I kind of thought, you know what, that's just what Ryan and, and you were talking about last time out. And that is this the, the kind of day where we get the three points where we probably don't deserve them? And I have to say, I was optimistic at halftime, and my God, that second half was a disappointment, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the goal obviously sparked Aberdeen into into life. You know, they'd been, to be fair, they'd been pretty bang average in the first half as well. It was just an all-round poor first half, I think, from both sides. But they were forced to readjust, and they moved Brown into midfield. So it was kind of going more towards the the back four and the formation they played against Hibs the week prior. And that really changed the game. I mean, to be fair to Aberdeen, they started the second half with a real tempo, um, a real purpose. And just that, especially that first, I guess, 25 minutes of the second half, Ryan Hartz were just backs to the wall. I mean, it just felt like the equaliser and then the second goal was coming. Yeah, and that's so frustrating as well, because like that, we had sort of, I don't think there was much in the first half, go 1-0 up. And then you just know that the start of the second half, the first 15 minutes, they're going to get a reaction. They're going to be out firing. And it's just the case of, one, trying to dictate play or keep possession. And, and two, making sure they don't score in that sort of 
10, 15 minutes and, and we kind of did the opposite. You know, we, we gave them, well, we kept giving the ball away. We let them invite pressure on and, and concede a goal as well. So it's it wasn't a good start. And then, like we've seen in so many games, once that tide turns in the second half, it's so hard to then to wrestle it back. And we'll probably touch on it with substitutions and, and things like that, which which can change those games back. But I just, like you said, it's just you're expecting Aberdeen to, to score another and, and kick on. Yeah, a nice equaliser from from Marley Watkins, who was who was very good for Aberdeen. Uh, the goal that would be the winning goal, so it's a header from a corner by Lewis Ferguson. Now the big um, the big talking point, and to be fair, at the time it didn't jump out to me as a foul, but obviously we've seen replays a few times of it. Scott Brown nudges his own player into the direction of of Benny Beningame, which blocks him off and means he can't track Lewis Ferguson. Uh, you feel, Ryan, that that is a foul, but do they get given that often? It's an interesting one because I played in the game, the Sydney Derby last year, and they scored a goal against us and VAR chalked it off because it was a blatant... Remember Ziggy Gordon at Hamilton? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the, the ginger yeah. fullback stroke central defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he um, purposely blocked off one of our players, which got them free and um, VAR chalked it off. So it would have been interesting if VAR was in Scotland if they would have, if they would have picked that up because... Like I said, it's so hard for the ref or the linesman to pick it up because there's so many people moving. But you know, when you do then watch the watch the goal back, you can see quite clearly that he that he has been blocked. But um, yeah, I think every team puts blockers or has blockers on it, so it's just a, tr- a case of trying to um, trying to get that. And you're probably looking for your front post defender to to try and cut that out. But yeah, it, it is one of those ones that if VAR was in it, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done in, in that situation. I think it's cute, Laurie, rather than blatant. And I don't want to play the hypocritical football fan here and say it's a disgrace that it wasn't given because in real time it was kind of hard to spot. It became pretty obvious afterwards. But it's one of those, if we score a goal like that and it isn't chalked off and someone says, well, it should have been chalked off, we're like, come on, nonsense. So you can't, let's look at both sides of the story. Yeah, if Cammy Devlin nudges someone into the into the way of Scott Brown and yeah. we, we score from the corner, the Hearts fans will be will be loving it. Yeah, um, it's cute. But the one the one thing that gets me, and, and Ryan will have played in enough games to have experienced this, the referees might tell you otherwise, but I'm not having it. If they think they've given the corner wrongly, they'll make up a foul and they'll blow the whistle and they're like, what the hell happened there? <laughs> the number of times a whistle is blown for a defensive free kick is ridiculous, but that wasn't given. So again, it depends. It depends what side of the story it is. But, to be honest, they hadn't scored then. I think they would have scored again and won it anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think th- th- this can be this can be easy to to spend too much time on and to to kind of um, dissuade us from looking at our own failings and fallibilities. Because I think the story here is okay. This is a run of form that we haven't won for a while now. Uh, that was our first defeat of the season. We didn't appear to have a plan B in the second half. And if we did, the players didn't really know what they were doing. And it could have been more than that. And, and it, it was an insipid display. So, yeah, we could paper over the cracks and spend 20 minutes talking about a, a move where Beningame was, was was blocked. But I think we have to look a little bit closer to home. And, and um, I went on a drive this morning um, around the Houston area and I was listening to the BBC Sports Sound podcast from last night. And Tom English was talking about the lack of goals in the Hearts midfield. They've played 45 games this season, the midfielders, and they haven't scored one goal. That's the kind of thing we should be looking at and and finding out how we get goals more spread around. Because yet again, I know it was a set play, but we didn't have any midfielders on the score sheet at Pataudry. It's quite right. And I mean, I thought the opening, you know, 25, as I said, to the second half was concerning for many ways because... Aberdeen were were so dominant, we didn't seem to have a way to stop the the kind of the tide, the flow of attacks that were coming towards us. And the equaliser came quite quickly. And from then on, it just felt like yeah, it was a matter of time before Aberdeen got the second. Obviously, naturally, when they got the lead, there was less need for them to force the issue. This was the more concerning period for me, Ryan, because this is when we had to chase the game. You know it. It won a lot, but even at 1-1, playing a low-tempo game isn't the end of the world. You could say we have something to defend, even if it's a draw, which uh, unfortunately I messaged someone 
just as Aberdeen got that corner, who's an Aberdeen fan, a mate of mine saying, I'd take a 1-1 right now. I know, sure enough, they scored about five seconds later. But we just didn't seem to have any answer. It was almost like as soon as that goal had gone in, it was over 20 minutes left. I just didn't see us getting anything out of the game. We just, even we got to 10 minutes left of the game, we were knocking the ball around at a tempo that was akin to a side who were leading. We just didn't seem to have any plan B, which I think was a bit of a concern because clearly the plan A wasn't working on Saturday. What would have you done if you were Robbie? Do you know, I kind of suggested this. I don't know if I actually said it in commentary or I said it off air, but I almost got to the point where we just need to get up the park and play off play for the second ball. Even if you know Nong Duye wasn't able to, to win the balls, we just needed to get it up the park. And I don't know if you remember the the Hibs game, Daniel Stendhal's, uh the derby when he had at Easter Road, where obviously Stendhal had a very specific way of playing. And he, he, he changed it for that game and played what no one expected him to, which was play off the second ball. I don't know if you remember, we didn't really have anyone to win the balls up the park. So we just got the ball up the park. Hibs would win pretty much every header, but we just played off the second ball. We made sure there was lots of bodies in the right areas to pick up the second ball and it got us up the park constantly. It's Obviously, it's not a tidy or it's not necessarily a reliable way to play, but if, to me, it felt like when you got to 15 minutes to go or something, we just had to do something, if that makes sense. I just didn't think we were getting no change out of Aberdeen. Scott Brown was dominating things. We were trying to pass through them. They had they got men behind the ball as soon as we got past the halfway line. Nothing was working. It wasn't sticking, trying to play off Nongdwee, holding it up. It, to me, it just felt like get up the park, get bodies around it. And I don't know if that just if that's too simplistic, but we were still knocking it about in defence with 10 minutes to go, then five minutes to go. It felt like, why not just go with the Hail Mary at this point? Yeah, I think sometimes that's that. it's not so much a long ball. It's just trying to play it in their half and just relieve some pressure and and, and have that sort of territory in, in, in the second half. And like you said, Scott Brown was picking up everything in the midfield. You might almost have to try and miss him out or get that clearance that misses him out and then be able to push the back four up or back five and just try and pin them in and, and see what happens. You might win a free kick. You might win a corner and and just build from there. But yeah, like you said, it, we just couldn't get out. And yeah, it was a, probably the, the poorest 45 minutes that I've seen this season, I think. Oh, definitely. I think by far. I mean, is that is that one of the concerns, Mark, here is the fact that, you know, it's great to play football on the ground. It's great to have, you know, we've, we've seen some really nice interplay, boys holding things up, using the wide men, the nice overlapping and then runs from the wing backs, but also the wing backs played inverted. It's great that that's a plan A. You want that to be a plan A. You don't want to just play a hit and hope game. But sometimes, do we feel like we need to have a very different plan B? I think we need to have an awareness that they, the opposition, have changed. I get the fact that it's a case of let them worry about us rather than than us worrying about them. But they tweaked. They moved Scott Brown Mm. a little bit closer to, to the midfield, which gave them an extra man in there. Now, Benningamy and Devlin we like, but... I wonder if that might be a, okay, let's bring on Peter Haring and slightly change our shape. Um, sometimes you, you match up. I don't, I don't think it's embarrassing for, for a team to admit, okay, we're, we're, we're under the cost right now. Um, let's, let's just shore things up for, for 10 minutes. You can remember as well, Peter Haring is, is someone who is flexible, can play in two or three different positions, play the defensive midfield role, can play central midfield, and if necessary, can play as a central defence as well. But we, we, were, we were stuck for a, for a spell and it, you know when you get that feeling that no matter no matter what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes, you just can't see a way back if things yeah. stay the same? And mm-hmm. that's that's the feeling that I got at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, we changed to a four, but it was, I can't remember what the time was, but it was quite late on. And it did it, it did feel almost like at that point that the, the, the tide had gone too much against us. So what's the answer then? Because obviously there's a lot of grumbles about that. There'd been some grumbles before the game because we'd been... We'd not been getting points when maybe we should have got points. Um, we spoke about it last week saying what we need is the balance. We need a crap game, a crap performance where we get a <laughs> scrappy 1-0. Unfortunately, our first, what I would say is our first, you know, we gave those games ratings of 1-5 to five last week and none of us gave any twos. Uh, sorry, none of us gave any ones. I know Mark gave mm-hmm. some fives. I would have given that. That's a one for me, that game. I mean, that's, that's as close to a one as you're going to get. Pretty, mm. pretty miserable. I know it's only 2-1 defeat, but it was. we were never in the game. The fact we were 1-0 at halftime was 
uh, that was a really fortunate position to be in. And if we'd if we'd played out a second half, which had been just as dull, I would have been delighted. I would have said, look, that's the game where you can say we didn't even play that well, but we managed to get a big win at Pataudry. But it wasn't. So what's the what's the answer here? Is it just a case of that's a, a kick up the backside? You need a clean sheet. That's four in a row now without a clean sheet. Ibrox, Tynecastle against Dundee, McDermott Park and, and Pataudry. Look, that was a tough that was a tough stretch of games. Um, mm. I don't think many of us expected to get something from Ibrox. We got a point. We all expected to beat Dundee. We didn't. So you, you kind of thought that would be three points from the two games. We ended up with two. St. Johnston a point. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably looking um, you're probably looking at four points out of nine for that. And, and we ended up with three. And then we lose to, to Aberdeen. So a clean sheet against Dundee United. And I suppose it would be a morale-boosting win. Um, I know we've only lost once this season, but I want to see what they're made of. I want to see, can they bounce back? And and this week in training will will tell us a lot. And I think it's a good game, Dundee United at the weekend at, at Tynecastle. And yeah. I'll be annoyed if, 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 if we don't beat them. Yeah, I think it's a perfect game in, in terms of they're also playing well. Yes. You know, you're not getting like a Dundee or a, a Livingston or someone who's just going to come back and put nine behind the ball and then... Tynecastle crowd maybe gets on top and you, you know they're going to come out and have a real go and I've been impressed with them this season and I feel like they'll be coming to Tynecastle wanting to win which will set it up for a good game so it won't be so much you know um, defence against attack you know it, it just should be set up for a good game and like you said it will be interesting to see how they react after the first defeat of the season Okay let's move on and let's make things a little bit interesting this week. Uh, we haven't done a quiz for a little while. So let's throw a quiz out there. Now, one. No, stop. <laughs> you, can't, you can't use your buzzer yet. I've not even explained to, to the audience how it works. So I've got, I've, got, I've got a little quiz and it's got an Australian and American theme. Um, and it's going to be fastest... Fastest finger to the buzzer. Is that right? Fastest finger first? Fastest finger first. Fingers fastest, on the buzzers. Fingers on the buzzers. finger first. Yeah. You know what I mean. It's because yes. this hopefully takes away the um, <clears throat> the cheating element that maybe one of our contestants has been accused of in the past. I would like one of the rules that he can't just say, Mark, and then wait well, a waffle for 20 seconds. Yes, well, I have, I have. It's okay. I, I've planned for that because if you um, buzz... You have to give me an answer, and if it's wrong, then the next person gets um, basically sure. to take, take their time, and they can just answer. That's how they do it in these things, isn't it? So yeah. if you buzz and you get it wrong, then it's handed over to the next person. Okay, so the rules are simple. <laughs> Fastest finger first, fingers on the buzzers, whatever. So let's see. Uh, we'll test your buzzers first. Um, Ryan, okay. press your buzzer. There we go. Ryan's oh, buzzer. very, very stereotypical. Um, uh, Mark, yours. There we go. So we oh, ve- oh, lovely. Very good, very good. Yeah. Go. Wonderful. So you go. Maybe Kim Wilde, Kids in America. Maybe a little uh, soundtrack of Coming since... to America. The Royal Penis is clean, sir. But no, uh, yeah. you go for that one. When was the last time you were a kid? That's not good. That's not. Um, hey, grow old, son. You don't have to grow up. Good luck, Mark. Good luck, Ryan. Right, so basically, I've got 10 questions. Um, you both can answer, obviously, with each question, although there is an Australian and an American theme, and I'll kind of alternate between them with each question. So let's just let's just get started. If you want to play at home, then feel free. And if you've got a buzzer sound, then yeah, buzz it. Right, question one. Mm. Paddy Kisnorbo scored his only international goal for Australia in 2009 against South Korea. In the same game, he played along, alongside someone who would later play in three Edinburgh derbies. Go ahead, Mark. Ryan McGowan. Wrong. Does Ryan McGowan have a guess? So this is, he played alongside, Patrick Osnorba played alongside someone in 2009 in a friendly against South Korea, it was his only international goal he scored. Also in the Australia team that day was someone who would later play in three Edinburgh derbies. Ah. Trying to think. So it must be Hibs, I'm going to guess. Mm. Come on, McGowan, this is half an hour. We've got more than one question to get through. 
Oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to hurry. Come on, Dunsar. Yeah. Buzzer. No, don't have it. Time up. The answer was Mark Milligan. Oh. Whoa. What a question. Played for Hibs in 2018-2019. Appeared wow. three times against Hearts. Didn't actually lose in any of the three derbies. Um, and won 80 caps for Australia. Mm. Guys, you should be ashamed. I've got no yeah. chance of getting that, but you should be. That's a disgrace. You should get a point off. I was just trying to think of Aussies that played for Hibs back <clears throat> in the day, but that's a good one. Millsy's mean, been around for fucking ages. He has, yeah. Doesn't get you a point, son. Zero, zero. Okay. Good question. Good question. Still no, no. Like, question two with a, an American theme. Oh. Only one player has won international caps for the USA while playing for Hearts. Who is that? Question. Uh, Perry, Perry Kitchen. Correct. Yes! Oh, that's that the obvious one. Well, answer Kitchen. the bloody question then. <laughs> Perry Kitchen won two caps for the USA, both in 2016 against Puerto Rico and New Zealand. Good question, mm. somebody. Gowser, that's a disgrace you didn't get that. Is it? Yeah, but I was trying to think, is he the only American that's ever played for well, Hearts? Bjorn, Bjorn be. Johnson played for Hearts. Hugo Perez was on trial. And right. He plays for Norway, doesn't he? He was born in, in America. Like, let's, let's, mm. let's, not, let's not debate. Let's, let's get on with it. Question three. Um, <laughs> this is my favourite question. Oh, God. Who had the better Edinburgh Derby record? Ryan McGowan, Dylan McGowan, <laughs> Dylan McGowan. Total guess, but it's got to be. That's correct. It... Yeah, that is correct. That's um, bullshit. Dylan McGowan. <laughs> well, bullshit that he's got a better record, or the question answers both. Both. <laughs> Dylan McGowan. <laughs> Won four, drew one, and lost one in Edinburgh Derbies. Ryan McGowan won three, drew two, and lost one. Uh, I know you're gonna. I know you might come in here and say, "Well, I did score two goals. He did win five, one in a final." But Gowser, that's embarrassing, son. That is interesting. He'll be buzzing off that. I'm gonna tell him. He'll be loving uh, that. Yeah, I was quite surprised, but I think Mark probably knew the way I was thinking that I wouldn't have put that <laughs> question in there. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was Ryan. <laughs> the answer was Ryan. Well, two zip. Um, wow. Two zip mark. Uh, okay, question four. Who is the only Hearts player to have scored against the USA? And this is while he was a Hearts. Go ahead. Andrew Webster. Ah, well done. That is correct. Good. Oh, I needed that one. Andy Webster scored his only international goal for Scotland in a 1-1 friendly match uh, against the USA in November 2005. Good lad. That's a good one. Did Andy tell you about that? Because that was just before you joined Hearts. Yeah, he told me about that. Ah, okay. Good. That should only be half half a point, though, because that's insider (laughs) dealing. (laughs) Insider trading. Right. That's great. 2-1, 2-1. Game one. Good question. Hey, good great questions. questions. Very good great questions. questions. Well done. Which Hearts player appeared against Australia in a Confederations Cup match in June 2017? There was a player for Hearts at the time and played against Australia in a Confederations Cup match 2017 in June. Oh, so you were in the squad, were you not? Yeah. Well, you should know. He was on the bench. Oh, <laughs> Gowser, if you don't get this, I played against. Uh, you're gonna have to. You have to buzz. Remember, the left back. The left back. Ooh, the left okay. back. Um, Osh, 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 no, Osh, no, because you didn't get through the group. Nope, nope, that's incorrect. Mark one it, shot. Can, can can you repeat the question, please, sir? Which Hearts player appeared mm-hmm. against Australia in a Confederations Cup match in June 2017? Arno Jum. Correct. Correct. Yes! Come on, man. Cameroon won, Australia won, 
Um, Mark Milligan scored actually from the penalty spot for Australia. And um, Gazer, you you would have seen the goal from the bench. Probably on his phone. <laughs> I, was thinking, uh, I only play, I played last game. Chile. That's not the question. Well, Three-one. Mark restores the two-goal advantage. Two-goal, two-point, whatever. Um, okay. Question six. Which American-born player made his international debut while playing for Hearts in a World Cup qualifier in June 2017? I got there first. No, no, yeah. There's a fucking two-second delay here. <laughs> Ryan was first there. No, he wasn't. I said Mark before I had him. I'm not having this. He's He can afford a more quicker speed internet because he's rich. Nope. And I've got a two-second delay as a result. This isn't fair. <laughs> what year did you say, sorry? Don't pad it now so you can cheat. What's the answer? June 2017. Johnson. <laughs> yes. I would have said that too. Uh, yes, come on. No, come on. a point of peace. <laughs> I can't be... Kuwait's like the technological forefront of the world. America's a backwater when it comes to that. I've got a two-second delay. Come on, Dunsire. That's harsh. Sorry, I'm lost. I just knew this would happen. Um, <laughs> Bjorn, Bjorn... For the next question. Bjorn Johnson, debut for Norway against the Czech no Republic chance. in June no. 2017. No, not 1-1 one, draw. He was, hard, he was a hard player no. until the following no. month. No, nah, it's 3-2. It's 3-2. That's two, not four. fair. <laughs> Life's not fair. <clears throat> right, question seven. Right, you have to you, ha- you have to give me let me have some composure, otherwise I won't get the question out and you might got not get the best chance to come in. Right. In the Scotland Australia game, in which Ryan McGowan made his debut, Andy Webster was involved. Ian Black. In which was, Ryan McGowan made his Scotland debut. His debut. For, you said for Scotland Australia. debut. No, you you I said, said Scotland debut. debut. I just no, said you said debut. Sp- don't know. Ryan, what did you just say? I'm I'm concentrating, I'm in the zone. Right, so let me answer the question. You, don't edit that out. Make me look really silly. You said Scotland debut, so right. Right. Ryan McGowan made his debut for Australia that. in this game. His teammate Andy Webster played in it. His former teammate Ian Black played in it. Can you name the three other players in the Scotland squad who would later sign for Hearts? Uh, so only buzz when you can name them. So three other players. Do you need to players. name all three? Yeah, I, need all, I need all three. I need all three. Was this 2015? No, 2012. That's what I meant. I said tw- it's, a, it's, the, it's the line. It's a, it's a bad line. And what are we looking for? Hearts players. Three. <clears throat> so three players in the Scotland squad would later sign for Hearts. We're not at Hearts at that point, but would be later on. So Webster and Black were in the squad, but obviously one had just left Hearts, one was at Hearts. But there was three other players who would join Hearts at some point after that game. Can you name the three? Oh, but Gowan played in the bloody game. Okay, Ryan's going for it. Naismith? Yes. (laughs) Come on, how long are you going to give him? Christoph? (laughs) He's still going. Right, okay, you've got two. (laughs) Come on, how much longer? Gordon? No. No, no. wrong. Okay. Okay, Mark, over you. Can you can you name the other one? It was an addition to who? So Better Naismith and someone else would later sign for Hearts. Well, there's two more. So the question master's got it wrong. How's there two more? Don Cowie and Ian Black. You're not listening to me. I just explained Ian Black had just left Hearts, but there would be three players who would later Don Cowie. I might, I might take that off for you trying to be cheeky yeah. and don't, call me out. Yeah. You just didn't listen to the question. I get well, the point. It's, no, it's the, no one gets the point because you've got to name all three. Right, fine. No one gets it. It's still 3-2. Good. Right. Three, three questions left, 3-2. So it's still, still all to play for here. Question eight. Name the American player who scored against Hearts at Tynecastle in September 2007 in a Mark Hart. Go ahead, Mark. It's one of... It's either... <laughs> oh, no, come on. 
I'm thinking it's a Rangers no, game. No, no, no. I'm going to give you five seconds. Five, well, four, three, the arena. two, wrong. <laughs> Ryan, do you want to have a shot? Beasley. Oh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> that was your fault, Mark. You, you buzzed and you didn't have an answer. I was going to, I went, no, I went with my first. I was going to go either Reyna, Beasley, or Edu. So I went Reyna and. Hearts one four two against Rangers. Um, Andy Driver, Ibrahim Tal, Michael Stewart, um, Kestutis Iviskevichus for Hearts, and a Daniel uh, Kuzan penalty, and Demarcus Beasley for Rangers. It was the first time Hearts scored four goals against Rangers in a league match since December nineteen thirty six. Remember the cup tie we won four two Monday night. Kevin Thomas involved, Big McFerrin. I do. Went but on that amazing run. But it wasn't a league just, match. So no, I'm just I'm just trying to put other thoughts <laughs> in McGowan's mind now that he's what? Well, he's he's one behind now, McGowan, because I got the Bjorn no. Johnson one. No, it was no, three, no, no, three. No, no. three three. That's three three. No, I should be, I should be four three up because I got two <laughs> out of the three players. But no, the answer was pick three. It's you three just, three. It's 3-3, three, three, and now I've just realised if you get one each, I haven't organised a tiebreaker, so that could be interesting. So McGowan's now- played in like nine of the games that you've <laughs> mentioned in the quiz. This is totally unfair. Yeah, but I'm also asking questions that were out with the time he was even like yeah. joined hard. So. What, what, no, but why didn't you ask like which American anchor did Mark work with the ESPN? And, and- <laughs> See, that, that would be fair. Come because on. No, no one fucking cares. Well, exactly, um, they don't care, but it gives me a chance to win. Right, stop talking. Stop talking. Question nine. Can you name the Australian player no. who scored... <laughs> Can you name the Australian player who scored against Hearts for three separate Scottish clubs the last... <laughs> Go. Yep, Ryan. Scott McDonald. Oh, it's right. Oh. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> this is not fit. It's his pals now. And it's like, Motherwell, oh. Celtic, Paddock Thistle. Who oh, cares? look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. There you go. Two goals for Motherwell, two for Celtic. And then he got one. Oh, I was just away to say the date uh, or the mar- the year oh, and unfair. the month, rather. One for Paddock Thistle and a Scottish Cup replay in 2019, unfair. giving Thistle the lead on a wet night at Tynecastle. <sighs> Before Hearts won 2 1, thanks to goals from Uche, Igpiezu, and Sean Clare. Right, we've got one more question mark, so you can still level it up. 4 3 oh, behind. When Dylan McGowan and Ryan McGowan were going up together, <laughs> what did Dylan say to Ryan at breakfast that morning? <laughs> you, got, you got that question right about Dylan and Ryan, though. Well, you're not going to put Ryan, I know you. <laughs> well, exactly, so there you go. Two second delay and this. this <laughs> right, okay. Are you ready? Good question. I feel 10. like it's, it's like facing the old firm here. Right, okay. Right. Question it's, 10 it's, is not Australia related whatsoever. Okay, it's American related. So, you know, come on, the Yanks. Um, American Perry Kitchen replaced Alim Uzturk as Hearts captain in September 2016 under Robbie Nielsen. But who replaced Kitchen as captain under Ian Cathro? Go ahead, Ryan. Cowie? No. You did not. It's over to Mark. A chance to equalize. It's 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 uh, Graham Weir time. Ah uh, Christoph Berra is a total guess. Is correct. Yes! Fuck off. <laughs> we are it's Graham Weir. Graham Weir. Right, McGowan, do you, do, you want, do you want six months each for the trophy, or what do you want to do here? <laughs> I feel hard done by because of the two out of the three. But you, I can't believe I have one just off the bat. Christoph Berra immediately made captain uh, under Ian Cather when he returned to Hearts in May 2017. I think I think it's quite good to just call it a draw. I don't think we need a tiebreaker. I think um I think Mark will go in too much of a strop if if we if we had to yeah. call a winner and it was a hey, good quiz. Good quiz that was. So that was that was more fun than I thought it would be. Did it finish three all or four all? Four four. Four four. So I, I was Graham Weir there. You were, <laughs> you were Graham Weir, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I just need to pay an extra 20 bucks a month to get a better internet connection so that <laughs> oh, I don't have a two-second delay. So I would get win the violin out. So it would be 5 three to me. <laughs> well, there we go. That was, that was the Aussie Yank-themed quiz this week, uh, which ends all square. Okay, before we go this week, let's look ahead to this Saturday's game as Hearts host Dundee United. Two teams who have been in very good form this season, disappointing results over the last weekend. Hearts, of course, losing to Aberdeen, Dundee United losing to St. Johnston. Uh, But still quite an interesting battle, this one, Mark, and uh, an opportunity for both sides to bounce back, and one where there's Maybe a little bit of pressure, probably more on Hearts than United, but uh, the aspirations or the the ex- expectations of both Tynecastle and Tanadice have been raised somewhat because of the opening to this season. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about changes because I'm not keeping the same team. Um, no. I'm hoping Boyce is back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a wee bit I'm gonna go a wee bit left field here. I'm gonna slightly tweak the formation. I'm keeping okay. a back three. I'm keeping the two wing backs as they are. But I'm introducing, I'm, I'm going to go more one-up, one-off. Um, and instead of having the two wide players, because I think we need to change something. We're not getting goals from them. They're not creating enough right now, uh, especially when Boyce doesn't play. So I'm keeping the goalkeeper and the three centre-backs and the two wing-backs and the two central midfielders. And then I am changing the last three. I'm going to bring in Aaron McInef and mm-hmm. play him... And play him in front of the two holders. I just think we need some sort of creativity. You can't keep trying the same thing again and hoping it changes. That's idiocy. Um, but trying the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. So I'm keeping the crux of the lineup, but I'm bringing in McInef and playing him in front of Beningamy and Devlin. I'm hoping Boyce is in there and I'm playing Barry Mackay off Boyce. So that's my team for the weekend. And I don't know if Dundee United would expect something like that because we've not played that yet. But that, for me, would give us something. It would give us a, a, a presence behind the strikers, or one-up, one-off, with McInef. And look, I, I, has, he got, has he got photos, incriminating photos of someone? Because why has he been ostracised? Give the boy a chance. Basically say, look, here's your opportunity. You take it, then that's you and the team. So that's what I'm doing. I'm playing McInef, um behind Mackay, and Boyce. He came on scarves around the funnel. That was his problem, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Since then, it's not gone well for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't bode well for Cammy, does it? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> the, the scarves curse. Well, I mean, to be fair, Robbie Nielsen and Lee McCulloch have both been on as well. So, I mean, the management <laughs> team have come on. So, Yeah, and then we went to shit on Saturday. I mean... Look, yeah, we need to do something a wee, bit, a, a wee bit different. I think we need more creativity from somewhere. I think the creativity out wide hasn't worked. Let's have creativity more central. And you know what? You could you could easily play Beningamy and Devlin, and then you could play Mackay alongside McInef with Boyce in attack, and then you've got your wing-backs who are providing the width. Let's try yeah. something a wee bit different this weekend. Two number 10s is well, to be all the rave. Yeah. Atalanta do it. And I know yeah, they get denied late on. Yeah, exactly. They, they got denied late on earlier tonight by by Man United uh, by Ronaldo. But um, two tens behind a behind a striker. Um, it just it just gives. I mean, how would you, Ryan, as a centre back, um, if you you know you're facing a big striker, that's fine. Or you know you're facing a nippy striker, that's fine. How do you deal with with opposition who? If you've got a striker in opposition, but then you've got two that are a little bit deeper, whose role kind of is it? to keep tabs on on the two tens that are in behind the striker um, in yeah. your team. Uh, I hate playing against two tens. And um, that's why I mentioned it. So at Sydney, we played with two tens and Sydney's played the same formation. They play four, two, two, two formation. And they've played that for the last four or five years and um, been the most successful team. So a lot of teams have copied that sort of formation. So we play two strikers, two tens, two sitters. And when we don't have the ball, we're expecting the two tens to sort of filter out wide to almost make it a four-four-two. And then when we do have it, they go into the tens. So when a lot of teams then did that to us, it was really difficult because if your tens are positionally wised really good, you just get caught in that moment of if I go 
too tight to him, you got the runner in behind, you, you know, you're moving out of the back four. And if you don't go tight and the midfielder presses up, then they can turn and they're running at you. So it's, it is something different. And, and a lot of teams only play with one 10. So even if Dundee United had one six, you always know that the other 10 is free. And yeah, you don't really see it too much. Celtic sometimes do it, but they do it with a little bit more with their wingers coming in as, as tens that Ange likes to play. But um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, we have so many of those sort of creative wingers, 10 types that, you know, it could be a formation that, that works for, um, for us and it allows those sort of players that, you know, when Boyce does come off or does come to get it, then you do need those runners. Otherwise, everyone's just coming to feet. So you could play with a, a Ginelli off him and, and just tell him to run in behind and, and it hopefully creates that space between the midfield and, and the defence of the opposition to, to get our players that we want on the ball running it or getting in the areas that you want them to be on the ball at. Because you look, Laurie, at Dundee United's perfor- uh, sorry, formation um, when they played against St. Johnson at the weekend. And it's like a 4-3-3, and it could be a 4-5-1. But they've got the one defensive midfielder and the two mm-hmm. centre-backs. So if we've got two tens behind, hopefully, Boyce, I really hope Boyce is, is available, um, then I, I think that gives them a headache. So, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued as the team selection. There will be changes. Uh, because that wasn't acceptable in the second half. What would you do, Laurie? It's interesting. I mean, the one thing that I was thinking is that first half at Tannadice when Hearts last played Dundee United, obviously they won the game 2-0, really strong first half, possibly the best performance of the season, that first half anyway, if like if the second half against Aberdeen was the worst, then I think first half against Dundee United was probably the best. Um and that was with the three four three as it is now. But I don't know if you remember. This was where we the the inverted wing backs really worked well. I think it was Smith, and it was actually Halliday that day. Smith, especially, you know, Smith really enjoys when he gets to do that. I think when he almost becomes, you know, it's similar to what um, Ange does at Celtic with the likes of Ralston. Smith just becomes a kind of number ten. He just roams around in the centre of the park, and obviously the the centre-back who's on the right side covers defensively and then whoever's the right side of the attackers becomes a winger. So Ben Woodburn in that Dundee United game was actually hugging the right the right wing quite a lot of the time. Um, so that's one thing I think Dundee United have changed. Like you say, they were playing this almost almost an old-fashioned 4-4-2 in terms of their, their setup uh, when we last played them. But they've, they've adjusted more to either... Yeah, Four five one or four three three at the moment, so it's maybe the change of system that would make our approach slightly less effective. I don't know. I'm at this. I'm at this point where I'm. I'm torn because I want to. I want to say that the problem isn't isn't the system we're playing. It was just the performance or maybe some personnel in terms That's of fair. the Aberdeen game. I don't want to tear things up when the three four three has worked so well. You know, we've we've worked on this so hard. We've played around the games. I don't want to just throw everything out the window because of one. One poor game and one poor result. And let's be honest, I, I still feel like it's other than the Celtic game in the League Cup, it's the one you can say the performance was poor and the result was poor pretty much throughout. There's other games where you could criticize certain things, but I think this was the one where it was really like, wow, that was bad. That was poor. So I don't want to tear it up yet, but I definitely feel like we need to have a little bit more flexibility when we when we come across things like that. And I think you can almost say the same in the Dundee game, not that we needed to throw the ball forward, but it felt like we needed to change the flow of the game a little bit. Um, I kind of felt like Dundee were going to get that little chance to level things. So I don't know if we just need to to be a bit more proactive in games, like you said, to, to read what's happening. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough sometimes because like you say, it doesn't always go down well if if you start adjusting things to to suit because of something the opposition has done. But it did it did seem very obvious on Saturday. You know, Scott Brown's gone to midfield. He started controlling things, um, and yeah, you hate to see it, don't you? But Scott Brown had one of those games where where he didn't look like he was still was he thirty five now. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think he'll stick with the system. I think that it's those two positions, and Boyce, if he's fit, will be back in. It's those two two other positions, isn't it? Do we go mm-hmm. for do we go three four three or do we change it slightly? I wanted to see us play Mac and F um, against Aberdeen. I think that would work. I like what you're saying, 
playing him kind of behind and maybe making it a sort of three four one two. I think that could work. Yeah, well, I mean, Barry McKay has been coming in off the right-hand side, so you could keep him out there and have McInef kind of central left. Just try something different. I mean, if McInef can't get a game, now he's on the bench, so he's made the 18. So, I mean, it's all down to how he trains, but if he trains well, if he, if he can't get a game when there's changes made after a disappointing performance, he'd be well within his rights to go and knock on Robbie's door and say, what, what do I need to do? Is that, is that something you've ever done, Ryan, when when you felt you've trained well or the team's had a bad result and you've been on the outside looking in, do you just go go to the manager or, or is, that, is there a kind of method and do you approach the assistant first or what would you do? I had a couple of instances where I felt that it was probably around the under Sergio where I felt I'd come in and do well and then I'd be straight back out and I'd go from sometimes starting to not even making the squad. Um, and he would, sometimes he would speak to me and just say, listen, like, you were very close to starting, but then I'm not really comfortable having a sort of a defender that can cover the positions on the bench. So I'm just going to leave you out of the squad, which I could understand from his point of view. He's thinking about the whole team, but yeah, it's, I was more of a conversation of, you know, what can I do to stay in the team? I obviously want to stay in the team and, and play week in, week out. So what do I need? I'm obviously not doing something where uh, I'm able to stay in that team. So what can I do to make it hard for you to then leave me out? Um, but he was he was sometimes just horses for courses. A lot of that season, I was right back because um, Hammer was injured, and then um, Danny Granger was injured, so I, I shuffled over to left back, and then um, and Jamie Hamill played at right back, and then Jamie Hamill got injured again, so I, I flooded back over to right back. But um, that probably worked in his favour in terms of it, it, there was only maybe a couple of games where you know sometimes Jamie was left out or. Um, Hamill played even even played centre midfield a couple of times. I think it was St Mirren away in um, the replay in the Scottish Cup when he played sort of centre midfield or on the right of a, a midfield. So it would have been interesting to see if everyone had stayed fit, how he would have juggled that because you know I felt at that time um, my performances probably warranted a start, but probably Hamill had more experience. Danny had more experience at left back, and yeah, so I, I never really had a, a long spell where I felt listen, I should be playing or this is a game where changes should be made. Why am I not playing? But yeah, there's, there's plenty of players that, that you hear those stories that as soon as the team's named, they're knocking on the doors asking why they're not playing. And, and that's part of the management is to try and get everyone on the same page. And you know, I don't know if you've, some managers sort of feed them lies, other managers um, just tell them how it is. There's probably no right or wrong answer to to how to sort of handle that. And it's just up to that player on, on how they do it. It is interesting that he's, he's not been involved at all and, and probably same applies to Jamie Walker. So there must be something that they're, that they're doing that, that Robbie's just not having almost in, in terms of he doesn't feel confident enough to play him ahead of the, the boys that are playing uh, at the moment. I can understand why the, the, they've not, you wouldn't change a winning side. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, that I get. My, my point is if... If you think you've got a chance, if you've been on the outside looking in, this is the week that you think you've got a chance. So I'd be busting my gut in training to to try and persuade the manager. Look, it, it's me. Then I think I would have a stronger case if I still don't get the call after this weekend. Then Robbie could turn around and say, "Well, you know, I know that performance wasn't good enough, but you know they've given me ten performances beforehand. Um, you know, is the yeah, first okay. defeat. It, it becomes that tricky one of you know." how do you handle it? And this is probably the first time this season where Robbie is going to have these sort of conversations True. with players yep. mm -hmm. knocking his door and saying, why am I not playing? How is he going yep. to answer it? You know, and at the same time, if you're Mackay or, or someone that's been dropped, he'll probably be knocking his door saying, God, Gaffer, I wasn't the only bad one at the weekend. Do you mean? I've, I've done and well the last couple of weeks. Well, why am I the one that's missing out? So this will be interesting to see how he sort of handles all these um sort of personalities within the dressing room on the subject of i know we, we've kind of touched upon aberdeen already but when you're talking about mckinnon being on the bench maybe having a chance to come on one thing that did baffle me the weekend which which i don't want to go into too much but 18 minutes left hearts are two one behind the chasing the game one sub left and robbie puts on andy halliday for 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 cochran i have to say with 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 McInef on the bench, um, needing to 
offer something more in an attacking sense to try and change the game. I, I did find that one quite baffling. That to me would be a worry from a, a, an Adam McInef perspective. It's like if that's if that's the throw of the dice that Robbie uses when it's when you're two one behind is to put what I would say certainly on this season a weaker le- a, a weaker left wing back on for your stronger left wing back who there was no suggestion was injured or anything. That that was just that was a really weird one for me. Well, it's not a concern he's going to have this weekend, is it? Unless I mean, did they appeal and? No, he basically said that I don't think it was a red card, but he's not going to appeal. I mean, I, I wouldn't appeal it, and I don't think it was a red card. So. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 well, yeah, I, I think everyone's in this. I saw some of the responses um, to the red card, and I, yeah, uh, that was, yeah. So, again, he doesn't have that concern this weekend. I mean, Woodburn will want to start, Barry Mackay will want to start, McInef will want to start, Taylor Moore will want to start, because he's like, wait a minute here. They've not kept a clean sheet for four consecutive games. Pierre Haring will want to start, so I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wholesale changes. I'd no, I mean the, I'd keep the three, I'd keep the four. I just think the three can be tweaked up top, and it would be a two and a one for me. But because it, it's like anything, you, it's how you bounce back, right? So forgive me for for kind of going along uh, or doing this as I go along. I'm trying to figure out what was the result after Celtic, right? So we played Aberdeen at home after the, the dismal display in the League Cup tie. We played Aberdeen at home and, and we were pretty good for a decent chunk of that, but I thought we, we were poor towards the end of that game. And after they equalised, uh, what, what, about 20 minutes to go or something, I thought they were the side that looked probably more likely to score. So we yeah. bounced back okay, but after that, then we went to Tannerice and, and performed really well. So th- this isn't a kind of uh, oh, you've had because it was always going to come, right? The first defeat was always going to come. I'd like, I would have liked it if that first defeat was was. Oh, God, we were so close there. Rather than Jesus, we were shite today. Because at least you would kind of think, well, there's there's positives, but he's got two options: he can wholesale change, or or he can make one or two tweaks. I think the likelihood is you make one or two tweaks. If it, if it's back to back defeats, then there's then there's a problem. I think this is a okay, but we'll give the majority of you. Um, the, the, the opportunity to redeem yourselves, but there's still others that don't deserve to start. And a big incentive still, I know we've said it lots of weeks, big incentive here, but it, it, there's no, um, obviously Hibs aren't playing, Celtic are away at Dundee on the Sunday, Rangers are home to Ross County, you'd certainly expect Rangers to win, you probably think they will both win, but um, they've still got to, to turn up and do that, so Hearts and Dundee United both have a chance to move into to second spot, and it, I, I don't know if it's just a damning indictment of of maybe Celtic and how they've performed so far this season. But even after obviously the drop points we've had after the first defeat, Hearts win twenty four points. They'll go a point ahead of Celtic, and they'll be three points behind Rangers ahead of the Sunday matches. So it is a big game, um, Ryan. For you, will will Hearts bounce back? You got a you got a prediction for this one? Will it be a, a victory and Hearts moving up to second at five o'clock on Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to go two one. 2-1 win. I okay. think I'm going to go a day score first. Okay. Oh, God. Pencastle's um, going to be interesting at that point. <laughs> yeah. And then, not saying that they'll score against the run of play. I'm going to say it would be pretty even. Even half Dundee United score a pretty well-worked goal. And um, and then we kind of do an Aberdeen and, and score early in the second half and then just <laughs> control and dominate it and, and go on to win the game. That's what That's the kind of performance I'd like to see. Maybe a clean sheet, but I'll still go 2-1. I think they'll score. Okay. How about you, Mark? Yeah, Ryan's sticking the score I would have gone for. So I'm going to go clean sheet. Oh, I'll go 2-0. <laughs> well, you, you can have 2-0. <laughs> I'll give you if you want. No, um, I'm going to go 2-0 um, based on nothing. Just optimism and being a heart <laughs> supporter. Uh, with a midfielder on target. I don't know who, but our first midfielder um, to, to score this season. Um, and and we're all we're all optimistic again afterwards. Okay, well you, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with two 0 because I was, and then last time when I was going to go with the same scoreline as you, and I changed it. You got the scoreline right, so I'm not. Oh, didn't. Yeah, copycat. Yeah, well, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with two 0 So I'm going to go two 0 okay. Hearts. Barry McCarthy's going to get a goal. Oh, Barry McCarthy will get a goal. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. Hopefully. Okay, well, hopefully that's hopefully it's two 0 or two one. Just any hearts. Well, 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 hopefully, sir. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> indeed. 
Well, we will be back next week to review that game and anything else that comes up. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Ah.